Well, good morning and welcome to Wells Branch Community Church Online. We are so glad to have you with us. Now, one of the things that I want to just encourage you, if you have any questions, one of the things that we love to do is answer them. And so uh, whether it's questions that, uh, about Safe Place Talk Race, which is going to be held tomorrow night online, or whether it's a, a question about this sermon in particular, uh, or anything, we would love to answer those um, via social media and uh, make that something that everybody could be exposed to. Now, we are in a new series called Reconciled, and uh, we're, what we're trying to do is first help us, especially in this political, um, racial, uh, socioeconomic climate that has been very uh, divisive, our heart is, how can we bring people together? How can we reconcile people? And what we want to do is take a, a deep look at Scripture and what it says about us being reconciled. And so this morning in particular, we're talking about first for us to do anything with people, we've got to be reconciled to God. Um, and when I was in Iraq, when death was sort of like something that was a, a daily thing that you talked about, uh, very much so like you're looking at death counts, you're looking at coronavirus counts on a daily basis. Uh, you're looking at uh, death around our nation through injustice or through darkness or anything uh, that is brutal. Uh, what we do is we tend to just count the numbers. And I remember one night, uh, and one of my soldiers came up to me and he said, Sir, what are we doing here? We've lost so many. And just the anger was really fresh and the salty tears um, were just painful and I remember in that moment, I had an opportunity uh, to kind of just deflect this one and be like, well, you know, there's <sighs> Middle Eastern politics are tough and, uh, you know, we've got, you know, how in the world are we going to solve a problem that's a zillion years old? However, as a extending political power for the Americas, but really good for us. And so, you know, it's worth the lives. And so I, I was, I, how was I going to explain that? And I remember I had a choice in that moment. I could uh, share how this is, there's a problem with the world and it's been infected by sin and Jesus is saving us, or I could go that route. And I think there's a part of us that has faced that reality where we have an opportunity to share faith in Christ or an opportunity not to. And I wonder if, if there's something in us that resists God saving the world through us. And I came up basically with maybe three, you know, I'm going to come up with three. There could be a hundred, but here's three <clears throat> Uh, ways we resist God saving the world through us because, one, uh, we're afraid of looking foolish. Uh, in a cancel culture uh, where you say the wrong thing and you're done, uh, you are very hesitant to say anything about maybe sin, darkness, hell, heaven. Uh, people will go there, some people won't, and so that makes it a very scary thing uh, to talk about, and we don't want to offend anybody. We don't. We're already seen as bigots around the planet, and so to kind of add fuel to that fire, it seems like that's just unwise. Okay, so I can understand that. Uh, how about this? We resist saving God, or resist God saving the world through us, because well, we see a problem, not a fellow person or a fellow human. Um, look, there's a lot of broken people uh, in this world who've been just struggling under the weight of drugs, alcohol, uh, greed, money, uh, all sorts of things, all sorts of areas cause us to be 
un, feel like people are unable to be saved. And so why even bother when that person is so bad off? And what we're doing when we say that is we're saying, God, I know you created the heavens and the universe, but I don't think you can save this person. Okay, and then finally, uh, we resist God saving the world through us because we don't see what's in it for me. In other words, my return of investment of my time, uh, of my social influence, maybe my vocational influence. I mean, there's a lot at risk here for me going out on a limb here, uh, but I'm not sure I'm really ready to be a personal brand ambassador uh, for God. Like, I, you know, thanks Jesus for saving me, but the reality is I got things to do, and I think that's where a lot of us go. Um, and we don't really see a lot of that. It's in it. For us. So this morning, I'm really looking for us to really wrap our head around this idea. And we're going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, I would love for you to join us uh, on, your, on your scripture, whether it's on a, um, a, a mobile device or it's your computer or it's your old school uh, bound Bible like this. I would love for you to be joining us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And before we jump into it to hear what God has to say about us sharing the hope that we have in the world to a world that desperately needs it, let's pray. Father, you have the words of eternal life, and in you is hope. And right now, um, 2020 has been the year of hopelessness. And God, uh, with coronavirus, uh, with racial tension at an all-time high and people being polarized, with the socioeconomic tension arising, especially as we head back into uh, the fall for school, God, we need your help. And we need answers. And we need to do that thing that you do when you open up our hearts to your word and to your hope. So God, would you hide me behind the cross, put me on the other side of the screen that I might be able to respond in love and grace and hear from you as well this morning. You are good and you are God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we're gonna be in 2 Corinthians chapter five. And if you're not familiar with 2 Corinthians five, it starts off with um, uh, Paul writing to the Corinthian church and he's saying, listen, our we live in a earthly tent that which one day is going to be destroyed, meaning your body. And so our hope can't be in this world. Our hope is in Jesus and the eternal relationship we have, we have with him. And then, then he's going to shift it and he's going to talk about what it means to share that. Watch this. Uh, chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, knowing uh, the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Look at this, persuade. I, and I love the, when you read persuade, a lot of you, and listen, I, I get it. There's this tendency to, to read manipulate. There's this tendency to read sell. And when you have a high energy person like me, it's like, well, of course, that, I mean, you might as well be the ShamWell guy. Like the reality is I think there's this part of us that when we hear, when we hear persuade, we're automatically put like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. But here's what he's saying. He's like, I want you to persuade them that the life that they could have is far better than the life that they're living now. And everybody would want a better life than they're living now. Everybody would want that. So persuade them. Now watch. It's not just so that you can have the better life, although that is part of it, but watch. He's going to talk about the reality of what it does for you. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. 
We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not what is in the heart. The whole world boasts about what they can see. And with specifically um, in this culture, it was the reality of like, what are you doing? And um, this could be challenging. And for a lot, for a lot of Jewish people uh, in that culture, the outward appearance would have been circumcision. And a lot of people would say, like, listen, you are a real Jew once you kind of go all the way. And so that's what he's really kind of getting at here. Or your works, your abilities, your skills, that's on the outside that I can see. Clearly, that should be like uh, the fruit of what's on the inside. But a lot of people would say it doesn't really matter. I mean, who cares what's on the inside? I just wouldn't really care about what I can see. And that is not the Christian life. Watch this. So when it comes to sharing hope, with people, for if we are beside ourselves, in other words, crazy, it is for God. In other words, if I share the gospel, if I share the hope that's within me, that it's not my external work, but rather my internal hope, and that Jesus did the work for me, and people think I'm nuts, that means it's for God. Yea, God, that's for you. But if, it, if we are found to be in our right mind, it is for you. If you believe and you hear and you respond to the gospel, I thank God for that because now you have hope. Now, what? look at verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And this is why it's not just about your best life now. Because why did Jesus have to die? He died for you. He died for all. He died for me. And so he had to die because of this wrecked world that we're in of sin. And not only uh, did it allow us to have our best life possible, it, it really brought out the worst in us and ultimately our worst for our future of darkness and shame, experiencing separation from the love of God. All right, now watch. For the love of Christ controls us, because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he has died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So watch, simply. We reconcile man to God because the love of Christ controls us. Um, I, I was trying to figure out a, a best way to explain this, and the only thing that really comes to my mind is lately I've just had this incredible experience at Waterburger. Do, do I have any Waterburger? Do, do I have any Waterburger fans out there? I mean, you know, like you literally drive by the billboard that says you're in luck, you live in a Waterburger state, and you go, "Yes, I am." So I I wasn't such a big fan, but one day uh, I drove. I was hungry, and I saw Waterburger, and something drew me in, and I went through the through the drive-through, and I said, I saw this grilled chicken sandwich of some sort. And I said, that is for me. And it was the avocado bacon grilled chicken club. And once I put it in my mouth, something happened. It was this unbelievable experience. And I shared it with Adrian and I made her get one. And then uh, we recently went to the beach last week. Uh, and every time we stopped on the way, I got an avocado uh, grilled chicken club. And then when I drove to Wichita Falls, because last week I, uh, a church asked me to speak there, and I did, and the whole, everything I ate was avocado grilled chicken club sandwich. I know, it's like a little bit crazy, right? But I would just say, taste and see that it is good. And I think there's this part of us that when it comes to, we've experienced this thing with, um, 
Jesus, it's hard for us to share it like a sandwich because I just can't like hand it to you. But I can tell you about the experience that I've had with Jesus. It is that good. It is something that you would want to not just sink your teeth in, but sink your soul into. And I don't care who cares, who thinks I'm weird about avocado grilled chicken club. But there's a part of me that might think it's weird to talk about Jesus that way. And I want us to get past that because I think there's this part of us that says, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus, just not as much as you. I mean, I think that's where we come from when it comes to this thing of sharing about the hope that is deep within us. Um, And maybe the best way to explain this is uh, a couple months ago, um, we had a, uh, a person that attended our church tragically die. And it was really, really sad. And uh, he, he would come off and on, and he would sit in the, uh, I'm looking at the spot where he sat, he sat in the back row. And um, his name was Shane. And uh, he had a girlfriend. His girlfriend never came to church, had never been to church, didn't even know what church is, didn't really care that, you know, church was thinking, oh, that's nice, that's you do that. Now, let's get back to real life, because real people don't need a crutch like that. And then on, upon his death, um, she felt like a need to reach out to me. And uh, she, I had on my little calendar thing it, of like, you can you know, talk to the pastor. And so, so Jennifer uh, reached out and set an appointment and meeting up. And, she said, and as she talked through the video conference chat, um, just crying. Why are you here? And she's like, I know that my boyfriend... Uh, the love of my life. We've been together for five years and he'd been attending your church and he said, I really needed to check this out. And I told him it was ridiculous. I don't need that. Uh, it's not for me. And now that he's gone, I, I want to grasp some piece of it. And I even feel like he's talking to me and somehow giving me signs to show up or to do this video conference call. I'm like, all right, I know where we're starting. And uh, I asked her about a church background. Had never been to church before. Never had a Bible. In fact, um, she got... Uh, the Bible that another person in our church, Matt, had given to Shane, and uh, that was the Bible that she was now holding on to. I said, do you know how to read that thing? She's like, no, no clue. And I said, can I just talk to you before we talk about your grief? Because there there was a moment. I could have said, let's go into talk about grief and how we process through grief and how sharing the stories and memorials are really healthy. And eventually, your... um, not that your love for him will ever dissipate, but it'll be in a healthy place where it's a great memory that you can go forward and have new relationships. Or I could talk about the real problem of everybody's soul, and that is we're in desperate need for Jesus. And I did. I said, listen, Jennifer, there's sin that separates us from God. And it's why um, people die. And it's why um, people get angry. And it's why you see all that you're seeing on TV. And Jesus came. And he died on that cross and he rose to the dead so you can have eternal life. In fact, the Bible promises that anybody who asks for the Holy Spirit, it'll be given to him. So I, we prayed through us and she, she asked, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Make me the person you want me to be. And um, there was this moment, I remember looking at her, she's just weeping. And I, and I was like, I'm sensing that you're feeling this somehow. And she's like, I feel it. And it, it wasn't like, like, everything's better. Like, I'm not, I don't miss Shane anymore. It was like this peace, like this, I got you. It was this uh, thing that held her even as she wept. And listen, that doesn't mean that she isn't still grieving and we're still going through the process and we're still meeting online and we're still talking through a lot of those things. 
But Jesus has started something, a planted a seed in her soul that's starting to grow to take over her entire life. So now she's not looking for Shane to talk to her from heaven, but for Jesus to speak to her through his word. And that is why we persuade people. That's why in moments of grief, we say what your grief is pointing to is your need, your desperate cry out for the soul for Jesus. What your, um, your hunger for, for power, ambition is purpose. And what God has done, he's given you great purpose to forward his kingdom. What, whatever the issue is, I can always point to the biblical reason of what really is going on in your soul for that desire. And that is why we reconcile we persuade people. We don't manipulate them. We persuade people of the truth of the gospel, of that we want them to know our God. In fact, um, this is where it's really interesting, where Paul takes a turn here, and uh, he is going to really shift the, the question, and it's like, why do I, how, how serious do I get about sharing the hope that I have? Now watch, verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Okay, so that, what that means is we don't regard, in the flesh just means your natural self, like how you think of stuff. Because I know in my flesh, I'm prideful, I can be lustful, I can be dark-hearted, okay? Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now look, we reconcile man to God because we are a new creation in Christ. Now, I, for, for the longest time, this is a, a really difficult thing to kind of wrap your head around, but it's kind of like uh, a caterpillar. Let's go here. We're going to go with this analogy. It's a classic one. It's a caterpillar who, before it, it goes into the chrysalis and the cocoon, it is uh, stuck on walking on the ground, munching on leaves. Its whole life is about getting fat. That's like its whole thing. If you've read The Hungry, Hungry Caterpillar, you get this, all right? It just tears holes and stuff and then eventually uh, turns into a cocoon. But when it comes out of the cocoon, it can fly. It has wings, right? And so you would say that this is a complete new creation. The old caterpillar is completely gone. The new has come. But I think what happens for a lot of us What happens for a lot of us is we are stuck acting like caterpillars even though we can fly, even though we've got wings. We are on the ground trying to live life like a caterpillar would live. And let me, so instead of flying above the common level of life, we are stuck. And that's why it's difficult to pass on to others what you aren't experiencing yourself. And maybe the reason for this is you didn't think you were that far from being a butterfly to begin with. You're like, you know, listen, I just need a little help. Like, my legs are pretty good. I could probably fly anyway. Like, there might be that part of you that sort of thought that, and the reality is you don't understand the depths of the darkness of your soul. And so when you look at other people, like, that guy's, man, I don't even know if Jesus can help that guy. The problem is you have a wrong view of yourself and your own depravity. Or if you were that bad or you understand that dark and you understand what Jesus did for you, you don't understand how he is saving grace. You have a low view of God and how he can save other people. And that's why, watch this, watch this. This is why on social media, you're picking fights with those people. 
And that's why you're not looking to um, build a bridge in love, but sort of create a, a further divide so that those people won't infect the good people over here. That's what happens. And it's not like you ever intended to do that. But what happens when there's darkness in our heart, we kind of build a wall around us and say, listen, bad people out, good people in, people that think like me, we want them on the inside. Bad people, people who don't think like me, you need to be on the outside. And so we'll say things and we'll create further and further and further, larger divides. And this is nowhere greater seen than social media, which is why uh, I think Facebook makes it so like, the people that are like you tend to follow you and you're allowed to see their posts. The people that don't, they kind of keep you separated because God forbid we have a, a conversation. And the reason is because they've seen it blown up. They see it blow up over and over again because even Christians all of a sudden go to this place where like if we can just keep the bad people out and the good people in, then we'll be fine. And the problem is everybody's bad. Everybody has rebelled and experienced in the darkness of our own sin. And so what happens is when we become a Christian, we don't view people in the flesh like the caterpillar. We view people like a butterfly who have a new understanding, a new eyes to see that no one is beyond God's grace. No one. So um, just like in this day and age or in, in the day and age for Paul, um, as he was writing, you don't, a caterpillar bases somebody off and they have foreskin or not. In this day and age, the caterpillar would judge you on the color of your skin. The success of your job, where you play in the socioeconomic stratosphere, what your view of President Trump is. Like that's where we sort of divide all sorts of things We need to see people as God sees them. People in need of a Savior. So we don't argue with people in the old way. We, we lovingly bring truth and love into conversations, reminding them that the issue is not that our battle is against flesh and blood, but our battle is against the spiritual forces of darkness in this present age. And when we forget about that, we go back being a butterfly who crawls around like a caterpillar. Okay, so then how should we be to other people? How do we have, what kind of view of ourselves then should we take when we, we've come to other people? Watch this, look at verse 18. So he says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Not counting their trespasses against them. Sins, past. Sins in the past. Not counting their sins against them. That's why cancel culture is so awful. It's because what it says is like, your sins are forever indelibly inked on you and can never be removed. 
not counting their, their present sins against them, and not even counting their future sins against them. That was what's so incredible about this. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. That means in this day and age, you think ambassador is someone who's like the ambassador to uh, China and he reports to President Trump and that's kind of like the deal. No, no, not, that's too small. It's you are an ambassador to the king of all kings and you represent him anytime and you represent the kingdom of heaven, every time you interact with another person. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. What's the appeal? Be reconciled. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now listen, this is huge. This word implore, right here, this, is, this word is like beg. This, this, this word is like plead, like please. And what's strange, what's strange, is this is the king whom you've committed high treason against who you are in active war of rebellion against for you to be your own God. And you're like, no, I'm not trying to be my own God. I'm just trying to live my own life. I don't want to be influenced by the king and submit to his rules. Exactly. That's treason. You're saying, I want to be my own king. And that's why as an ambassador, I come pleading and God is making his appeal through me saying, be reconciled. Because there is a real reality that you would may spend eternity would not experience the love of God. And um, I had somebody uh, this week uh, respond to me in an interesting way. I posted on uh, my Facebook page, uh, this, this came through just in a, a discipleship meeting. And at the end of it, I said, hey, let's just try this evangelism through uh, our social media. So the question I posted was, uh, if you were to die today, would you, how confident are you you would go to heaven on a scale of one to 10? And Why? And I got like a gazillion comments. I was, I was thinking I would get like three or four, maybe a couple of likes. And that. But man, it was like one right after another. And one person said, hey, listen, that's sort of offensive. And maybe you don't intend it to be this way. But what you're doing is you're, you're scaring people. You're manipulating people to be afraid so that they accept Jesus and your religion. And no, 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 listen to me. If, if it's true that there is a... Um, a way to experience God's love and I don't share that with you for eternity and you, there's this reality that you could experience hell and darkness separation from God's love for eternity and I don't share that with you then I'm a terrible person because it's inconvenient for me it, there's no return on the investment for me to do that if you reject me but if I really care about you I'm going to share that. And here's what's really neat about this. It's not like um, I share this and like if you accept it, then you get to do purgatory for a certain amount of time or you get to have like a certain amount of like penance things to do and then you'll be accepted by God. It's immediate. And here's why. The, verse 21 is so powerful. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might be the might be the, become the righteous of God. And there's a lot of pronouns there that can be confusing. So let me read it for you again. For my sake, your sake, God the Father made Jesus to be sin, who had never sinned, so that in Jesus we might become perfect before God to experience eternal life. Now that is amazing grace. That is why it's unbelievable. The king says to his son, 
I'm not going to punish those who have committed high treason. I'm going to punish you instead. And all they have to do is accept what you did for them as their work and their faith in you will then have them experience eternity in heaven as opposed to eternity without me, without experiencing my love in hell. And so um, the question then is really when we're wrapping our head around this is we reconcile man to God because surrender to the king is success, not failure. Um, This is the part where I want us to get our heads wrapped around this because here's the thing. We are going to find ourselves face to face with God at some point. And the one thing that Jesus did that was so neat is that he gave us a symbol of how we could remember that our, lo- our souls were reconciled to him. On the night before Jesus was betrayed, even with Judas hanging out with him, he broke bread and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then that same night, he took the cup said, this is my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we're going to take communion. But the question I want you to wrestle with, and maybe this is one that um, you haven't even thought of, but my hope for you as you answer this question, um, will you reconcile man to God? Before you take um, the bread and you're taking communion at home and before you take uh, the wine, you would sit back and just wrap your head around that question. Am I a person who has gotten to a place where I've been so wrapped up in me and my kingdom, I look at everybody else as the problem? I look at, um, I look at everybody else as a person that I don't know if I want to be associated with and I want to build high walls. I don't want to look foolish. I don't want to be canceled. I don't want to be that guy. But would you be involved in your sphere of influence? I'm not saying go knock on a random person's door. I'm saying in the people that God has placed in your sphere of influence, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's a coworker, whether it's somebody, would you love them enough to share with them how much God has loved you, transformed you, and you no, no, no longer crawl, you fly. I remember doing that with Sergeant Kishbaum. And on that night when he came to me, he said, I don't, I don't know if I can do it because what if I start, if I accept Jesus, what if I start sinning again? And I remember telling him, listen, be reconciled. God does the work. The gospel isn't about bad people getting better or nice people getting nicer or not so nice getting a little bit unnice. But rather, it's about dead people being made alive by Jesus. And once you come to faith, he changes you from the inside out. And he came to faith. And it was a powerful moment for me. And I, one, I'm hoping that somebody here responds to. So if that's you, and you're on the outside, you, don't, you can't reconcile anyone to God because you're not reconciled to God, would you simply just simply go to God, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you in my thoughts, my words, my actions. I'm not worthy to be called your son. 
I'm not worthy to be called your daughter, but I believe you, Jesus, died on that cross for me and you rose to the dead. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Make me the person you want me to be. You pray that. There's no denying it. You're, in the, you're a child of God. And if you're a Christian, you've been walking this thing out for a while, before you take communion with us, would you just reflect on maybe the, the darkness of your heart, the place where you've gone where those people are the problem? And I wasn't really that bad, and then God kind of needed me on his team. Or maybe you're just afraid of being foolish or canceled, or you don't see what's in it for you. Would you repent of that? Or maybe there's something else that's really preventing you from being all that God has called you to be. Would you just take a moment to, we're going to pray, and we're going to have a, a moment, like 30 seconds or so, just to repent and take that to God. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, uh, we have some business to do with you before we take communion together. And Father, I'm praying and I'm asking and I'm begging and I'm pleading with you to, to work on us as we are broken people. Lord, I'm praying for the, the person that isn't in Christ, that you would allow them to see the depth of their sin and call them into relationship with you. And they would just simply step over that line of faith and say, Jesus, I need you. Lord, I'm praying that uh, <clears throat> you could do a work in those who are Christians who've gotten wrapped up around um, a lot of issues that aren't you. And they've missed, got, they've missed out on experience the fullness of who you are by loving those who are different, by not taking part in conversations that are hard. God, I pray that your grace would be sufficient. I pray that your power would be made perfect in our weakness and that we repent from the darkness of our own heart and turn to you, Jesus. It's all for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. For the next 30 seconds or so, I just want you to take time to confess, repent any sin, and then we're going to take communion.